Hello, and welcome to another audio version of Burnt Toast. This is a newsletter where we explore questions and sometimes answers around fat phobia, diet culture, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soulsmith, a journalist who covers weight stigma and diet culture. I'm the author of The Eating Instinct and the forthcoming Fat Kid Phobia. And today we are getting into all of your school, food, and school diet culture concerns. Um, I am very excited to be chatting with Gwen Costell, who is a Canadian registered dietitian and the owner of Dietitians for Teachers. Welcome, Gwen. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I followed your work. <laughs> um, well, likewise, you are kind of who I always send everybody to when I get school questions because your Instagram is amazing. I will link to it in the transcript. Um, and, you know, there's often questions that people, these, these topics come up in such complicated ways that I always want to make sure I'm sending them to someone who is a dietitian and really kind of understands this issue from multiple sides. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell us a little more about yourself and your work? How did you end up launching Dietitians for Teachers? Yeah, um, that's a great question and a little bit of a funny story because I sort of, we sort of stumbled into it. So I started this work with a colleague of mine, um, who sort of moved into consulting for this, but we were honestly going for a walk in September of last year and sort of grumbling around like, Oh, shoot, it started already. The comments are back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we had a, a really great chat about, well, how come this isn't working? So many dietitians, so many people are talking about this. How come it's not landing? And, I'm trained in change management and quality improvement, which is really a fancy way of saying solving problems that people think, you know, it's the way we've always done it. And so we started to look at the problem a little differently. And we said, oh, my gosh, we what if we showed up for teachers instead of just chastising people and making feel people feel like they're always wrong? What if we showed up and started to help people unlearn this? Um, and so we started just almost testing the water, seeing if there was interest with sort of in, an Instagram account and talking to some teachers we knew. And it's just gotten so exciting. And um, so we work, we, it's um, me, and then I consult in with different dietitians, depending on the expertise. But I've worked with so many great teachers, and many, many of them are ready. And mm-hmm. they want to do this differently. They know it feels icky. They just don't have the time, the resources yeah. and the knowledge. And when we keep kind of wagging our fingers and not showing up to help, um, nothing's going to change. So that's a big part of where it's come from. And it's really, it's just been so exciting. Teachers are incredible to work with. I love this because, you know, I'm mostly hearing from the parents, as I'm sure you do too. And often the moment a parent notices this is an issue is when something has happened to their child. So they're very emotional, understandably, Mm -hmm. they're feeling extremely concerned about harm being caused to their child. But then immediately we're in this like parents versus teachers place, which is really uncomfortable, really unfair to the teachers, you know, (laughs) really hard to navigate out of. And so I love the idea of like, let's not start there. Let's start by engaging with these incredibly hardworking professionals um, and in a respectful way. So that's fantastic. Um, Yeah. So let's talk a little big picture for, you know, I'm sure I have some listeners who aren't parents or teachers and this are kind of new to this conversation or, parents of preschoolers who haven't totally experienced it yet. Um, you know, how is diet culture showing up in schools? What are you kind of noticing the most and why, why is it there? 
Yeah. So <laughs> this is such a complicated question because it's there for so many reasons. Um, it's in our, it's in the curriculums to teach healthy eating pretty much ubiqui- like in every curriculum you come across. Mm-hmm. It's there somehow. And 99% of the time it's written in super vague language, which is then for the teacher to interpret. We know that as being people and dieting has been the lay of the land for the last 50 years, most of our teachers grew up in sort of pro diet culture space. Mm -hmm. So when we leave things really vague and when our curriculum writers have left things really vague, they've, they've left that interpretation into a space where the diet culture machine has programmed us to think healthy eating means X, Y, Z, a healthy snack is X, Y, Z. So, the curriculum is part of why we're here. Um, you know, even national food policies, like food guides arose, like they're, they're new. Mm-hmm. Food, nutrition policy is not, is like just over, it's just over a hundred years since the first mm-hmm. micronutrient was identified. Like this is not something that's been around a really long time. And our first food guides came out of scarcity, right? Like they came out of war measures and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then they got adopted. And anytime there's a national policy on something, when curriculums are national or here provincial, and I think in the U.S. state, mm-hmm. um, they get adopted because it's endorsed material. They don't have to source out new things. So that's kind of how it got there. How it shows up is really really high variation. Mm -hmm. It's showing up because there are companies that like there are companies that profit and make programs for schools and schools are resource tight. Mm -hmm. They don't have a ton of time to like research and read all the up-to-date evidence and what would be good. If someone's offering them a canned ready to go way to teach a certain set of subjects, that's great news for teachers um, mm-hmm. and, and schools and educators. So sometimes these big kind of machines, um, like some of the ones on your thread there, which uh, I'll let you talk <laughs> about, but um, they can get into the schools. The other thing is sort of innocent, like teachers inherit resources from whoever taught the classroom before, mm-hmm. or they're Googling online on their own time, looking for things and up comes teachers, pay teachers or different type of resources and free things that they're like, that looks good. And, Mm -hmm. and because they're not dietitians and they're not maybe in this space, they don't really have a way to vet it. And it's super important to remember that teachers were taught, at least in Canada and Ontario context, teachers were taught how to teach. They weren't taught all the minutia of every topic they're going to teach. Like some of them, some of them cover aerospace, like, (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, that makes sense. There's no, like, the standard teaching certification doesn't include a quick, you know, six months through nutritional science to get you ready for this. Yeah. And, you know, food and nutrition and health is often not the testable material. And so in Canada, we have standardized testing. It's on math and reading and all these sort of things. So when it comes to to pressures on what do we need to standardize and make sure is taught the same way, mm-hmm. the, those are the subjects that are getting the attention. So, you know, we so we see it coming out of curriculums and like health class and gym class and different assignments that are trying to reach these teaching points. Um, we also though see it in something I think your followers have commented quite a bit on and sort of just comments mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or, or funny 
policy, not a policy, right, um, right. you know, rules that are in school. Like you have to eat your vegetables before you eat your cookies, those kind of things. So we yes. see it there too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like there's the official curriculum version of this and then there's the unofficial comments on lunchbox contents and sort of general off the cup remarks that people make in these settings. And yeah, that can be, they can both be really tricky. So yeah, I mean, this is definitely an issue where parents feel a lot of anxiety over how or even whether to engage. And, you know, I was, we've been getting a lot of questions from readers and I was looking, a couple I've gotten recently are, should I try to lobby for change in my public schools before my kid is attending them? If so, what? To which I would say, no, maybe wait. <laughs> wait until you're there and see what's happening. Um, get to know the community. Um, and But then on the flip side, is there any way to even start making this kind of change without it becoming a full-time job? And I can sort of also relate to that overwhelming feeling of like, how do I even begin to push this boulder up the mountain? So mm-hmm. yeah, how do you suggest we begin to think about these conversations, you know, from the parent's perspective, what can be helpful? How, you know, how do you start to engage on this? Yeah, um, it's such a good question. And I think the the instinct or the gut reaction that we're going to need to do it a hundred percent and for every child and for the whole school board district state is there and it's real and some reassurance to parents that there are really fabulous people working on that. And so there are, there are ways you can get involved. Um, I'd have to do a bit of research, but um, I know there are people, especially in the States working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are groups up here working on that as well. What I would say is, should you try and lob, lobby is a really tough word. So lobby is fighting words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my general approach, and maybe I'll start with when your kid's already in school and you're noticing something and work back to whether you should uh, approach it before your kid's even there. My general approach is remember that this teacher, especially in September, you got eight months. And there's a mm-hmm. whole lot more relationship with this teacher than mm-hmm. just than mm-hmm. just around the food part. Yes, great point. The food part is really important, but so is learning safety and good communication and um, building a relationship of respect and honesty and transparency is going to ripple effect through your whole year. So when you, when you have a hunch that something's going on at school, whether you've read something that came home and you explicitly know something's going on <laughs> at school, or you've heard little comments here and there, you see the cookie come back every, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first thing I would say is sort of take a minute. Um, and, and that's not intending to sound disrespectful. I take lots of minutes because <laughs> when, when you're in this space. Yes. We're so aware, right? We see, once you start learning about diet culture, you see it everywhere. Yes. So we do need to sort of remind ourselves to approach with calm. Um, the next thing I would do is depending on the age of your kid, but if they're school age, it's probably appropriate is sort of ask some curious questions like, so what happened at lunch? Like, tell mm-hmm. me about lunch and, you know, who's in the classroom and is there a movie playing and what's going on? And, how does it feel rushed? Do you feel like you have to hurry? Mm-hmm. Try and understand what's actually going on um, before sort of jumping to conclusions. Because we assume that this is um, ill-intentioned and we know that impact and intent are different and separate. Mm-hmm. 
but a reminder that no teacher is intentionally doing harm. They're stuck with some unlearning to do of their own or some policies that they don't like, and they have to find ways to work around. If, um, if you determine that you want to kind of go forward and talk about it, um, I would get out of email space. We're so comfortable with email and teachers are so great at it after last year, but email is the land of misinterpreted tone mm-hmm. and miscommunication. Um, I would see if I could get a call mm-hmm. um, or even in person, if your school's doing that and just sort of listen to understand first. So mm-hmm. there's a few different models from like the change management side of things that help you approach this. Um, and, and you really just sort of want to, here's what I'm seeing or here's what I heard. I'm curious or I'm depending on how bad or severe it is. I'm curious about it because I'm concerned about mm-hmm. it because I'm worried about it because mm-hmm. um, like all these feeling words are appropriate. You can attach them and to stay really focused on your kid because yes. that's, that is you are a parent teacher partnership for the next year. Yes. Yes. That's great. And what happened to your kid is kind of the only piece you really can be knowledgeable about, right? Like you don't yeah. know what's happening in other kids' lunchboxes or yeah. Absolutely. So that's very, that's really helpful language. Yeah. 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 The other thing I would say is um, like there, a lot of things that do happen at school are counter to evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I've heard from people who have reached out to parents and they said, Oh, I got an email back, but it says we do this because, uh, we know that sugar makes hyperactivity in the afternoon and mm-hmm. worse behavior. We know the evidence doesn't support that. That, mm-hmm. that is a lovely, lovely statement based on one study from the seventies with <laughs> one child. <laughs> um, Feingold is the, is the pediatrician that did that work. Yes. I think, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, so Feingold. <laughs> Big um, help. <laughs> and you know, just, it's really tricky territory when you feel the need to start sharing resources and um, journal articles specifically. Mm -hmm. So once you have this conversation of I'm worried, I saw what can we do together? What can we do about it? If you, if you've built that with trust and empathy and understanding that teachers have a ton on their plate, you may get to the point where you say, do you want me to send you some stuff to read about this? You know, I, I've been doing some, I've been doing some learning. I've been changing the way I see this. Would you, would you be interested? That's the moment to share resources. Um, you know, it's very much like your New York times article, um, around teachers and virtual learning. Teachers were highly watched last year. Yes. Right. Yes. So we have to give them a bit of grace and a bit of mm-hmm. like space to sort of breathe. At, but, you know, remember that if they're getting like, hey, so-and-so parent is on line three for you, they're probably yes. feeling a bit of a sense of, oh, gosh. Yes. And so yes. they might they might be entering that conversation with tension that yeah, you need. defenses. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's normal, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And I like that asking if you can send, I mean, I'm definitely the parent who has to hold myself back from being like, here's some stuff I've written. Here's some stuff other people have written. Here are all the things that have been written. <laughs> and like, not, not what they're, you know, not what they need. Yeah. Not helpful. Um, so I like the idea of asking first, um, before you start peppering them with links. Um, because yeah, that's not, I mean, we've seen that in every Twitter thread ever. It doesn't. 
<laughs> outlinking somebody never results in that other person <laughs> being like, oh, okay, I get it now. They just feel bad because you gave them six things to read um, and they have a lot of other things to do. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the specific concerns that have come up in the questions um, mm-hmm. just quickly. So if there's like specific tweaks, because I feel like you've given us a really good template for how mm-hmm. to start these conversations. Um, but if there's anything sort of specific you would do with any yeah. of these, I'd love to add it in. So, um, you know, this policy that a lot of schools have of encouraging kids to eat their sandwich <laughs> before their cookies or their vegetables before, like the order in which children eat food comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thoughts on, on anything. I mean, there's that great lunchbox note that Katurel did. I'll link yeah. to that folks can check out. Do you recommend something like that or is there another tactic you like? Yeah, I do as a kind of third defense. Like okay. if you, like I really, really encourage parents to strive for partnership and understanding yes. and compassion and even an opt out without sort of a templated note. Um, like even borrowing the language, mm-hmm. um, without sort of saying, look, I, I, you know, I found a PDF online and I filled it out that can feel really, um, off putting, I think. So oh, that's um, a great point. Yeah. Take the time to write it yourself. <laughs> But, but there will be situations that you may need to use that. Um, mm-hmm. so if you get a, a really sort of, um, traditional might be the right word, traditional teacher, someone who's really rooted in their own body image, their own diet culture stuff, and they, they absolutely cannot meet you where you're at, mm-hmm. um, that then opt out is a really good option. Um, and in a situation where the school is not providing the food, you're the one providing the food mm, right. if you're in a packed lunch environment that is outside of their, uh, domain. And so you yes. can say, I, I respect that you have a way that you're running your classroom. I won't work for my child. Um, we will be not participate or I'm giving permission for, mm-hmm. you know, my child to not participate in that Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. please let me know if we need to do anything to make that happen so and and you don't need to have a lot of explaining with that Mm -hmm. you know you know there's that that line that goes around says you don't need to explain your nose well some a little but (laughs) you can just sort of say i i respect that we see this differently this isn't going to work for my kid please opt them out yes Um, yeah, that's I love really- that. That's really helpful language. Would you do something similar? I mean, obviously it's going to be a little different when we're talking about the class assignments, you know, the health class that's having the kids keep food logs and exercise logs and calorie tracking, um, school BMI stuff, um, which I'm going to be doing a newsletter about soon, but certainly is a very common practice here in the United States, um, still despite being pretty undersupported by evidence. So yeah, I mean, you know, those are things where parents sort of officially can opt out, but is that, is again, would that be sort of a last resort? How do you approach that? Yeah. I, I think anytime you kind of opt out or kind of throw, throw the flag on the play, um, I cannot believe I just used a sports analogy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my husband will be so proud. Um, anytime you're going to do that, like you're going to, you're going to raise awareness that there's conflict or tension right and, and sometimes your kid doesn't want you to do that yes, and sometimes that damages the parent-teacher trust right um however 
That being said, tracking, analyzing, weighing kids at school is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's da- it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I would be a lot more apt to sort of let it slide with the lunchbox policing and do the home coaching with my kids and be like, you know, I, I can appreciate that people see things differently and everybody has a different relationship, but we can be empathetic that different people think different things. And that's, you're, you're going to see diet culture. Here's what it looks like, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a dangerous practice like weighing kids at school um I would probably recommend having a bit of a I'm concerned Mm -hmm. because you know I see this as an assignment I'm concerned I would like to see um this is actually an HR practice of like you know staff coaching but like I've seen you I've seen this assignment assigned I'm worried about it because the this is damaging and dangerous and can promote eating disorder and body dissatisfaction. And these are 13 year olds. Mm-hmm. I really would like to see an alternative assignment for this. Um, can we work? Can you, can you tell me what else is available for my child? Or can you explain to me why this is still, um, still an assignment given mm-hmm. what, what, what's known about the danger of these assignments. So I think you can be a bit more clear and to the mm-hmm. point with mm-hmm. those ones. Um, yeah, and this is probably one that I would move up the chain a little bit more aggressively on than say like right. some like carrots before cookies. That's probably not an involve the principal conversation. I bet yes. you can deal with it in the class. Yes, but, yes. but weigh, weighing kids at school is yeah, absolutely because the mm-hmm. school administration has signed off on that as a policy. Yeah, 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 and that's a helpful line to think about in general. Like when it's a teacher's off the cuff comment that is displaying their own struggle or they're, you know, just like where they are with this issue, that feels like a really different thing to me than this is like baked in. This is the curriculum. This is what we're, you know, the whole school has decided we're weighing kids or the whole school has, you know, that there's been this decision that the seventh grade keeps calorie logs. Like Uh that feels like a bigger fight. And I think that's maybe helpful for us all to think about because Mm -hmm. the off the cuff comment can feel like the big fight when it happens to your kid, you know, and that's, you know, understandable because it can be really upsetting to the child and all of that. But I like that distinction you're making. Um, You also touched on what was going to be my last question, which is how do we talk to our kids about this? Um, We're obviously not going to get all of diet culture out of the classroom. So there are going to be times where, and a reader wrote in and said, you know, our school has a no candy, no soda rule. How do I explain this on to my kids on a kid level without engaging in diet culture reasoning? Um, and I think that's, yeah, that is a tricky conversation. It is. Um, and, you know, my first question is, how old is the kid? And every time I ask that, I think I think about healthcare and how there really is no age. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start these conversations pretty young. Um, you just might have to change how you talk about it. But mm-hmm avoiding diet culture reasoning is probably not the goal. Um, I, I think what we want to be showing our kids is that this is out there, school, workplaces, co-ops, on the bus, it's around. Um, and we want to be building up kids' critical thinking to see it, spot it, reject it, and still be, you know, respectful, participating people in their classrooms, etc. But know that Oh, that's a bit funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Meh. And, and come home and ask their parents about it. If that's the, if that's the safer place. So I think how I would explain that one is the same way I would explain if, you know, grandma's on a diet and talks about it all the time, I would be having a conversation with grandma and saying, you know, I really don't 
would prefer if you don't talk about that, we can talk about that on the side Mm -hmm. um, or separately, but not in front of the kids. And then I would talk to the kids and say, you know, this, um, you know, this is happening or this conversation comes up and, you know, different people believe different things and different people have been taught things. And we have to respect that everybody's learning things at their own pace, but in our house, in our family, Mm -hmm. in our in our classroom for teachers mm-hmm. that are that are further along with this in our classroom mm-hmm. we believe this because I do have teachers that are really doing awesome stuff and have safe classrooms yes, yes but that yes. may not be the case when they go to their friend's classroom or they do reading in the sure. library yeah yeah that's a great point yeah I think that's a really helpful framing again to help with that parental panic of feeling like you have to, we often have this feeling like we have to insulate our kids from these messages and we just can't. (laughs) So thinking instead how to help them identify them and question them, um, you know, is just going to be a more useful set of skills. So this is so, so helpful, Gwen. Thank you so much for talking this all through with us. Um, I definitely, as I said, we'll be linking to your Instagram, you know, tell us anything else about what you're working on, where we can follow your work. Um, anything else that should be thrown in the transcript links? Yeah, I would say uh, the Instagram is wherever the most exciting we are on Facebook also. Um, but I'm a bit of one of those old millennials that is still figuring <laughs> out all, all the different social media platforms. With um, you right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they call it geriatric millennials. Yes. Yes. Um, we do have a Facebook page as well. Um, we are launching more and more education for teachers um, that either are ready to come individually or as a group. Um, so we do like I do professional development um, and it actually doesn't matter what state, country, province you're in. Um, as long right. as we speak the same language, um, then we can we can do it because there are no boundaries for this. And most nice. of the curriculums are public space. So. Um, yeah, we do have a website, dietitiansforteachers.ca, which is, gets updated when it gets updated and <laughs> all of those things. But I hear you. And there are a few resources to try and com- compete with the ocean of bad nutrition resources. We're starting to put some up on Teachers Pay Teachers, hoping that. Oh, that's fantastic. Teachers well, have new options. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm sure there are some teachers listening to this. So I hope. They will check out your work and, you know, this will be helpful to them and the work they're trying to do. And for parents, you know, if you do get to the stage of sharing resources with a teacher, obviously Gwen stuff is your first stop. So um, thank you so much, Gwen. This was great. Thanks for having me. This is is so fun. Thank you all so much for listening to Burnt Toast. If you like this episode and you aren't yet subscribed, please do so. If you are a subscriber, thank you so much for being here. And please consider sharing Burnt Toast on social media or forwarding it to a friend. Burnt Toast transcripts and essays are edited and formatted by Jessica McKenzie, who writes the fantastic substack Pinch of Dirt. Our logo is by Deanna Lowe, and I'm Virginia Swolsmith. You can find more of my work at virginiaswolsmith.com or come say hi on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at V underscore Soulsmith. I'm barely on Facebook anymore, so don't worry about that. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. <laughs>